Hi, this is Mark. Congratulations. You have found this amazingly awesome show. Chances are you're listening to it right now on whether it's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or some other mobile app that allows you to stream this amazingly awesome show to your ear holes. And I can't stress how awesomely amazing this show really is. But did you know that you can also catch the latest episode of this show on the Tangibound Network? That's right. Go check out tangiboundnetwork.com. You can look them up and you can listen to it right there. It's even mobile friendly. What more could you ask for? Which means you can pull it up on your iPhone or your Android, even your Windows phone. Yeah, who has one of those? But still, point remains. You can do it. You can do it. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. Check it out. Everybody, this is the ML Beers Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Sherman and Philip Corwin. Philip, how you doing today? I'm doing all right, man. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, it is uh, Masters Week, which I'm, you know, really happy to watch Tiger Woods get back into it. But of course, you know, this isn't about golf. It's about baseball. And uh, baseball-wise, it's been, you know, the past... Two weeks have been good, you know, got that nice little break and then just try to watch every game that I could. But besides all that, I've been doing well, just been kicking back, laying back and trying to enjoy everything before the double A season starts for next week. How about yourself? Oh, yeah. You know, just staying completely busy all the time between the two jobs right now, the brewery and the other job. Mm -hmm. So... Really don't get many days off, which, you know, I can't complain. It's been fun. So we're getting, Mm. we're creeping up closer and closer to that opening day. Yeah, the opening day that you're going to have in hopefully May, right? Yeah, that's the plan. Awesome. Awesome. Like I said before, this week is, you know, we have opening week, but it's always, you know, you always get that first week of baseball and then it's overshadowed by. Uh, the Masters tournament, the golf tournament in Augusta, Georgia. And, you know, that's kind of where my mindset is at right now. I mean, I'm still paying attention to games. I'm part of a, you know, fantasy baseball league that actually I'm a commissioner for, for work. And it's actually, you know, it's been fun watching the games. It's been fun paying attention to been what's going on. We'll talk, you know, what kind of, talk about that in a couple of minutes of course we're going to be talking about uh what's been going on with your brewery later on in the show and what we're having to drink for tonight's uh episode but of course first of all we got to get through kind of the smaller things first so we got to talk about any you know recent injuries and signings and my oh my the list that was uh created for the notable injuries list uh, is pretty dang long. And I, like I said to Phil earlier uh, before we started, 32 notable players are injured at the moment. 
Some of them are day to day. Some of them are out for a couple months. Actually, you know, so, you know, some on the list here actually have to have Tommy John surgery really, really early in the season. So instead of going through all, you know, 32, we're just going to give you kind of the highlighted ones that we think it's, well, I think has been a big part of their team. So Justin Turner, he actually f- fractured his li- his wrist and he's out for a month. I remember that we were talking about um, the uh, playoff preview that he broke his wrist. He actually fractured his l- wrist and he's out for a month. Steven Souza Jr. is out until May for a strained pectoral muscle. Like I said, Ian Kinsler is on the 10-day DL for a groin injury and really hindered my fantasy baseball team. But then again, we're only in an eight-team league, so I can find a replacement real quick. Anthony Schwarzak is out uh, for a little bit because he has a strain oblique, and he, you know, he actually, his first outing with the Mets was really good, and then he just got that. Greg Bird, he had ankle surgery mid, uh, mid-March, mid so he's dealing with that. Jared Eckhoff has a strained lat. Pat Neshek, strained shoulder. Joe Musgrove, a strained sh- shoulder as well. Nelson Cruz with a sprained ankle. Troy Tulowitzki with, he- with heel surgery. And Daniel Murphy with knee surgery. And tonight, uh, Corey Knable was just... <laughs> put on the injury list I totally forgot what it was for but um, he is injured as well and my oh my I just keep on looking at this list and I'm kind of freaking out when the next person's gonna you know when there's gonna be a next person that's gonna get injured (laughs) there is a notable one that you missed now it'd be uh, Salvador Perez out for six to eight weeks well that happened that happened during spring training, right? No. No, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was uh I totally forgot about that. He was uh um, carrying into his house and missed a step. Oh man, that's that's I don't know if that's more brutal than uh all the players getting injured because of uh playing around on the trampoline, but that's just me. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> it's the same. It's the same knee he had surgery on too, for Ooh. his meniscus. Ooh, that's even worse. That's even worse. Like he doesn't have to have surgery, but I just don't know how much longer he can keep playing catcher. Well, let's let's look at this real quick. You know, he's still young. I'm guessing 28, right? 27, 28. Without even you know looking up uh, all the. Uh, everything for him but he you know he's in that uh if i can actually spell while i'm typing which would be fun um you know he's still relatively seven years old yeah 27 years old so he's still relatively relatively young and same age i don't like that he's the same same age as you yeah and uh and he's making all the money. Is that the reason why? Yeah, making $52.5 million a year. Uh, $52.5 oh million for five years. If he was making $52.5 million a year, woo! Woof, as some of the people that I know would say. But, <laughs> but, I'm, but you know, he's still young. Uh, Buster Posey, he's still 
he's still rocking it, even though he's a 29. I was saying he's playing more first base. When I watched the game on Wednesday, Posey was at first base. Yeah, he is getting some time there. I don't know who really who's playing backup catcher for them, but again, it's you know it's somebody that I haven't heard of. Where it's like if Yadier Molina had to play first, I still wouldn't know who the backup catcher is because of Carson Kelly going down to AAA to give him uh, some reps. But you know, out of all these guys, just like looking at it, I'm just kind of worried on who you know who's going to be injured next and all that stuff. So I'm just... And it's lower. It, you know, we're still just a weekend. Yeah. I mean, again, all these, you know, all these injuries these, are weird. These are the type of injuries that happen at the beginning of the year. It's a bunch of strains. It's a bunch of this and that. And... Because the guys are only just, going, like, f- pretty much playing, quote-unquote, five innings, even though it's a nine-inning spring training game. Yeah. You know? They're not going all out. If there's a fly, you know, a shallow fly ball of a center, Lorenzo Kane's not going to go all out. He's just going to, nope. you know, lackadaisically walk to the ball and get it. Yeah, the hit's going to happen, but if he was really trying, he would probably either got there in time or would have had to dive for it. So, I mean, all these, all these, you know, I've strained obliques, strained shoulders, strained this, strained that. That's all I'm seeing. Sprained ankles. So, strained hamstrings. That's what, it, like you said, it is all the uh, early, seasons, uh, early season injuries because they haven't, they've played games, but they haven't really gave a hundred percent with these games. And that's kind of, you know, it's kind of a little bit worrisome. I mean, I've never seen, you know, really looked at all the injuries at once and just go, wow, this is really freaky. Because it's like one team had three, another team had like seven injuries. Just crazy how all the little, you know, small injuries kind of uh, st- that stack up. And, you know, with some of the injuries, especially for the St. Louis Cardinals, with the injury of Luke Gregerson at the late part of the uh, late part of spring training, the Cardinals signed Greg Holland to a one-year $14 million deal, which is... Which I'm surprised it took him that long, just because of the comeback year he had with the Rockies. Yeah, I think a lot of people are surprised that it took really, really... Took him, you know. Yeah, go ahead. I don't think either one of us really said he was going to go get, you know, a you know four or five year deal, but at this point in Greg Collins' career, I think it's just like he's a type of reliever that's going to bounce around on one year contracts, but he's constantly going to be good. Yeah, and you know this fourteen million dollar contract is, even though it's high up there. He's kind of playing the, you know, he's kind of playing the field because the Cardinals in this situation even though they do have, you know, in the minor leagues a stacked with, Go ahead. What did he make last year with the Rockies? I believe last year he made uh probably let me take Eight. a gander real quick. If this will Here we go. MLB.com uh, 
Oh, nice. So he actually made $7 million last year. Okay, so he doubled his payday. Yeah, because, again, he was playing the field because since Luke Gregerson was injured and there's really nobody in the St. Louis Cardinals bullpen to really be that shutdown closer, they had to go get you know somebody and he was like if you want me to be on the team you got to pay up and that's what happened instead of getting that seven million like he did last year he got 14 million and yes all you cardinals fans out there even including me yes we have dominic leone and we have but uh bud norris but those guys really don't even though their numbers are good they don't really scare me as much you know you got to have that name recognition and Usually that puts the fear into people. And another signing, since we kind of, you know, kind of comes full circle in a way, since we did talk about Greg Holland. What's up? Let me look at something real quick. Maybe it will load. Okay. I just want to see, last year, Holland was really good. Yeah. He did have a 361 ERA, but he had a 10 point, he had pretty much had an 11 K per nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, it was just coming back from his first full year with Tommy John surgery. You know, he wasn't having his, you know, 12, 13 K per nines and yeah. a sub three. But yeah. the Cardinals, you know, he he got what he needed. And the Cardinals got a good bullpen out of it now. Yeah, I think uh, with the signing of Greg Holland and then once Luke Gregerson gets back, definitely will bring a bolster to the uh, bullpen. But it's been a little bit shaky. I know you can't win every game with the bullpen unless you were the 2015 uh, Royals, but just it's been a little bit shaky from the games that I've watched. Anyways, like I said uh, before you – you know, you added the stats of Greg Holland last year. Like I said, it was coming to full circle since we go back to the Rockies and Charlie Blackman, full-time Rocky, Mr. Chuck Nasty, signed a six-year, I think it was a $108 million contract with the Colorado Rockies. Uh, going all the way, if I look at this correctly, 2023, so... He pretty much got paid. Well, it'd be 2024 if it was six years. He's already getting paid in 2018. But he is getting paid. It looks like he's going to be making uh, $18 million every year until 2023, 2024, which is really a great thing. And if you're a huge Colorado Rockies fan, uh, that's even better because he was – in his final year, he was going to be a free agent next year. And yep, they don't think this offseason knowing exactly how much they can spend and not spend. Yes. and Because it, it stirs up that thought. Because last year, you know, they did sign Cargo to that one-year deal. Yeah, the, fu- the one-year $5 million deal. Yeah. And, you know, he and Cargo got a big extension before that. So, mm-hmm. he's been paid. Yeah. But – Going into the offseason, that was one of their question marks. Like, are, what are they going to do? Because they can't sign Cargo to a large deal if they want to keep Blackman. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, I, I kind of like these early season extensions because it 
you know, if you're a fan of the Rockies, you get to know going into the offseason, like, look, Blackman's locked up. We have X amount of money. What can we get to surround Blackman with talent? You know, they still, you know, DJ, DJ LeMahieu, is his contract coming up as well? Yeah, he will. That was the one big thing about this signing was if they got one of the guys, they could probably get the other because both of them, Blackman and LeMayu, were going to be free agents at the end of the season. And Arenado is going through his fourth arbitration hearing, well, arbitration, this, the end of the season. So. And that'd be his last year, too. So. Yeah. And so getting kind of, you know, one of the quote unquote big three out of this is a good thing. Because even though Arenado is going to be there for next year already, it just closes the gap for the next. Yeah, and they're probably going to have to choose between LeMahieu and Arenado unless the Rockies management group just has a shit ton of money we don't know about. But, uh, you know. I You know, they're paying $136 million this year, if you did not know this. So okay. they do have, quote-unquote, the money, per se. But definitely, if they had... You want to keep it. If if I'm them, if I'm a Rockies fan, Diesel LeMahieu, he's so solid. They're all three solid, and, man. Yeah, I know. But Arenado and Blackman are more like the staple faces of the Rockies. Mm-hmm. LeMahieu is kind of the underthought. Mm-hmm. So if he leaves, I don't think the fans will be as devastated, mm-hmm. per se. Like the casual fan. Yeah. Casual fan, which would not be as devastated if if Arenado leaves, then, you know, casual fans all hell breaks loose. Yeah. And then if they sign LeMahieu, he would always be recognized as he's the guy we signed because we couldn't sign Arenado. Mm-hmm. But, no, I, I like DJ LeMahieu. He's one of the best. He's one of the probably – top five second baseman right now he's definitely out of every media outlet you listen to about baseball he's definitely an underrated player because he plays in plays for the Rockies you know they don't get a lot of media attention until they're really really bad or they're really really good like last year so yep I mean so when it comes to this I'm pretty sure he plays multiple positions too I I'm not sure about that, but I'm pretty sure he does. I mean, everybody's becoming a utility player. so You have to, and it's more fun that way, too. Yes, yes, exactly. And, you know, my thoughts about this, great for Charlie Blackman. He's going, you know, next year he'll be 32 years old. He's pretty much signed until he until the end of his uh, career in baseball. Uh, LeMayu is kind of, you know, now type top priority with uh with the Rockies because of course they're gonna get Arenado um they're gonna get Arenado for another year of arbitration and then probably depending on how everything is going they're gonna give them money they're gonna give money to Mayhew they're gonna give money to Arenado because they've they gave money to Blackman they gave money to Wade Davis which again has a you know it's a three year deal fifty two million dollar deal. Yeah, that might be a bit too much, but he's, you know, he's getting that. And 
them showing signs of actually improving with Jake McGee doing well, even though he is in the bullpen. They have uh, John Gray, which he has done really well <clears throat> for uh, for the Colorado Rockies. So I kind of see, you know, all this coming around and all the guys that I'm going to name, Chad Bettis, John Gray, Tyler Anderson, Trevor Story, uh, Kyle Freeland, Herman Marquez, Antonio Sanzatella are guys that are going to be starting or have a year, you know, a year left before they start arbitration. So there's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on that is going to be, you know, it's going to go up for the, for the Colorado Rockies. And that's just, you know, how I really see it with that. So, you know, enough about, you know, enough about that. Now let's, uh, let's try to talk about, um, if this thing will want to work here. Now let's, you know, talk about what's been going on in the game of baseball besides the injuries and this, besides the side signings. There's been a lot of things going on this week, starting off, I think with the weirdest beef of all time, which was with the Minnesota Twins and the Oriole, Baltimore Orioles, and it is because somebody had to do something with the unwritten rules of baseball. And how it goes, reading from the New York Post uh, article, I mean, of course, there's other articles to read about but pretty much what happened twins were up early in the well they were up uh in the ninth inning seven to nothing Orioles uh you know pretty much uh trying to do something and the or uh and the twins put the shift on uh Chase Cisco the rookie catcher for the Orioles which I guess I should be excited for the Orioles because he's, you know, he's a good catcher. He's number two pros, you know, number two uh, catcher in all of baseball prospect wise. Anyway, so they put him in a shift, and he bunts it down, and I believe he got on base. And that then is it. That the, is it. And then it got followed by a walk. And then another base hit with the bases loaded. So he put himself in an opportunity to win. Mm -hmm. And the whole unwritten rule of, oh, the pitcher has a one hit shutout. You don't want to be cheap and get a base hit. But if the other team is giving you the left side of the field. Do it. You take. <laughs> it's, it's simple. Because <laughs> the last time I checked. You're playing the game to win, right? Uh, from my uh, last uh, readings of baseball, yes. <laughs> like, it would if it was the bottom of the ninth, two outs, and the pitcher had a no hitter going. I might be a little jaded. Mm-hmm. Depending on the score, yeah. And I, here's, if you know, I can go. You know, the if that situation, you know, it's bottom nine, two outs, and it's a like one or two run game. Mm -hmm. 
it doesn't matter. You do whatever it is. You what you do if the team's giving it to you or the third baseman's playing back, you take what they're giving you. Yeah, and that's that. That's mm-hmm. not your fault. You you're putting your team in an opportunity by putting yourself on base to win the game. Yeah. And last time I checked, you play the game to win. I know I just said that, but it is like a whole unwritten rules. Like they're they're funny. They're questionable. Get, they're funny and like you said, questionable, and I get it. But at the same time, it there it shouldn't be made a big deal about it ever. Yeah, and I I have to agree with that. And the reason why is like you said, if the it was a no hitter, bottom of the ninth, which it was actually bottom of the ninth, one out is one. It was a one game sh- one hit shutout. I I mean, if you're supposed to if you're supposed to keep it in check. Why go in the shift in the bottom of the ninth? You know, I'd rather exactly. I'd rather play steadfast, not give anybody an open opportunity. Maybe go into the shift early, but if you've been paying attention to you know, paying attention to where he's been hitting, even though yes, it is an early early part of the season, but you could still get your scouting reports from spring training and all that stuff. And if he's gonna le- and like you said, if they're gonna leave that wide open. Go for it. I mean, hell, every, I would. T- every hell, every time we play, well, not we, but every time that I've played uh, MLB the show, and I have somebody on at the plate, and they automatically do the shift, not necessarily the uh, other player puts the shift in, but if the t- if the game puts the player in the shift, I'm gonna bunt it. I bunt it. I'm gonna bunt it. It, it's wide open. I don't know why. I do not understand why people are upset about this. Yeah, it's an unwritten, unwritten rule of baseball. Again, if somebody was going for a perfect game, and then somebody you know bunt it down to try to do something while the shift was on, do you do it? I'd probably. Yeah, yeah I still do it. I don't care if the guy's going through you know a perfect game. If the game's close. You know, you got to do what you got to do. And you're given that opportunity. Like, I know this is a totally different situation, but uh, a couple of years ago I played in a slow-pitch co-ed lead. Fun times, fun times. Yes. And we played this team. They stuck one of their worst players out in right field. Mm-hmm. So what did I do? Hit it to right. I hit it. I hit it to right field every goddamn time. And they started getting mad. I'm like, look, I'm going to wait for the ball to come inside, and I'm just going to yank it. Mm -hmm. And at one point, I hit it inside the park, grand slam. Those are the fun. Those are the best ones, the inside the park grand slam, because you just you hit the ball in the sweet spot. You you know, you get the bat, you hit the ball perfectly. It goes that way. I mean, I've – done and multiple so inside the park home runs yeah. because of that because they put somebody out in you know out in the corners sure. which i mean it's it's difficult here or there but, but not in slow pitch softball you can place the ball wherever you want mhm yeah you but, just, like if you want to if you want to yank it to left jump on it early 
if you want to if you're a right-handed batter yeah you jump on it early and if you want to hit it to right field let it get swing a little late and just shoot it over there Mm -hmm. or adjust your legs that's the other way too yeah yeah but it it goes back to if you're a hitter you're gonna hit to the best best spot on the field to get a hit Mm -hmm. so unwritten rules are silly Yes, they can be, and I still will n- never understand the written rules of baseball because they're, you know, they're unwritten, so you can't really look them up. And they try to be like it's like a gentleman sport. Yeah, no, it's a sport. It's a sport. You're there to win. It's not golf. I can tell you that yeah. now. I've played golf in high school. Hell. Some of the times it wasn't even gentleman-like. That's more of a gentleman's game than baseball. Even though I would consider baseball as like opera compared to soccer, which is, you know, really hardcore rock because it's just you're there with the fans. It's raucous all the time. You're chanting and everything else. Baseball, you're there to, you know, quote-unquote, you know, since I'm using the opera reference, you know, you're sitting there in a tux, you know, in a tuxedo, you know, sipping tea or whatever, or laying back and watching, you know, you're relaxed. You're not supposed, you know, it's a relaxed thing. But when you're comparing it to other sports, besides, you know, soccer, comparing it to golf, I mean, it's not a gentleman's sport. I mean, remember Ty Cobb. If you want to talk about gentlemen, look him up. That's the, that's yeah. the best way I could say or, it. You know, look what the baseball players did in, like, literally the mid-70s up through the 90s. PEDs? There's a, yeah, there's a video of George Brett sliding into third base, and the tag got laid down too hard on him. And next thing you know, he pops up from the slide and just takes down the Yankee third baseman in the playoffs and starts beating them. And oh, they separate, times. and nobody got ejected. Fun times. Fun times. <laughs> Literally nobody was ejected. I They're th- just like, be cool, stop. I thought you were going to say he uh, he tried to spike somebody, and I was like, yeah, just look up Ty Cobb. <laughs> yeah. He is was- Spikes up. He spikes up legit, and I mean, it is it can the game could be dirty, and that's why you know, unwritten rules of baseball again are goofy, because of how everything truly is sometimes. But and, and we've spent too much time on it. Yeah, exactly, and you know, kind of another how to make another thing ungentlemanlike is, you know, that man from. The Washington Nationals, you know, Bryce Harper, the man that uh, has quaffed hair and uh, likes to bat flip and is quote-unquote overrated by uh, some uh, Cincinnati Red fans. So this week... Instant regret. Yeah, instant instant regret. That is perfect. Instant regret. Somebody, of course, had to say overrated right when he was at bat, and he knocks the hell out of the ball for a home run. 
And I would get it if the guy was like maybe a divisional rival, but this was in Cincinnati. You don't have the best starting pitching. So over the word overrated would probably, you know, Joey Votto could be overrated, but he has the numbers. Bryce Harper has the numbers too. I do, I get if you were trying to make a, I guess, a playoff suggestion. Maybe I agree with you because, well, with the guy, I should say. Because, again, we've talked about this many of times. When it comes to the contracts, I don't believe he should get a 10-year, $250 million contract because he has not proven me in the play. He hasn't proved to me in the playoffs he's worth that money. Definitely worth it in the regular season. Maybe 10-year, $170 million. But if he proved me, you know, wrong this offseason, maybe win a World Series, maybe that 250 mil would be great. But, nah, that's, that's probably the only, that's probably the only time I would agree with the word overrated is playoff-wise. Because everybody's wondering it just, it, if he's It's just hard to look at him because he's only 25 years old. Yeah, makes me sad. And, yeah, and he debuted in 2012. Mm-hmm. That was six years ago. He was 19. Yeah. That 19-year-old season, he hit 270 with 22 home runs. Mm-hmm. Take a look at what he did last year. He was hurt, so he only played 111 games. Mm-hmm. But still hit 319 with 29 home runs. Yeah. <laughs> after that's after he had a terrible year in 2016, where he hit 243. Mm-hmm. But a lot of speculation that he was injured most of the season. Yeah, I remember that he was. They were saying he was playing with a, a bum leg. Right. Yeah, the because playoffs. he came, he came off a season where he hit 330 with 42 home runs. Mm-hmm. Season before that, he hit 273 with 13 home runs, but he only with uh, 13 home runs, but he only played 100 games because again, hurt. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he's worth the 250 million, but if he has another really good productive year, and he's only going to be 26 years old. So theoretically, mm-hmm. he's only he's just now hitting his prime years. You pay the man one hundred and seventy-five to one hundred and ninety million. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. But over the two hundred mil mark is just difficult for me. But then again, yeah. And I'm, in six games, he already hit four home runs this year. Yeah, so. he's do he's and, doing and pretty right, well. Want to hear these early early season numbers? Yeah, go ahead. Four home runs. Okay. A 31% base on ball rate. Okay. A 6.9 K rate. Nice. 333, 517, and an even 1,000-slash line. Oh, and a man. 253 WRC+. plus. Oh, I love that stat. <laughs> that WRC+. plus. 
It's a great stat. But yeah, yeah I, I'm just you know, I'm just appalled. Not appalled. I just applaud him for having a 31 walk rate and a 6.9 K rate when he's usually averaging, uh, give or say, well, his total average with uh, fan graphs is 20.3. Yep. And a 14.1 walk rate. So always been a high strikeout guy, but again, you would think as he gets, you know, it's hard to argue because he's already been in the league for six goddamn years. But yeah, he's only I 25. I know. I know. Stop bringing it up. It, <laughs> so. I'm already feeling you know, it. So, in another, if he signs another six-year deal, he's only 32. Mm-hmm. So, he, he could get two big paydays. Yes. Yes, he could. Don't make me think about Theor- this, Phil. Theoretically, he could get two big paydays, especially if he brings down that strikeout rate. Mm-hmm. Because it... oh, you you know if he you know about the whole strikeout rate thing, nobody cares about strikeouts anymore. It's not a big deal like it was back in the day. You know, we're kind of a dying breed of caring about players not striking. Don't out. strike out. Just get don't on, strike put out. Put the ball in play. And make the make the defense make a play. Yeah, it's not that hard. Oh, it's hard. Don't get me wrong. It's hard, mm-hmm. but don't settle for a strikeout. Mm-hmm. I would much rather watch them settle for a ground out or a fly out, where literally anything could happen. Mm-hmm. Routinely, do they get out? Yes, but again, you made the defense make a play. You put the ball in play, and that definitely helps his case of having a higher Babbitt, per se. But, I mean, eh, eh, that's all I got. (laughs) That's all I got with Bryce Harper. So, besides Bryce Harper having overrated home runs, uh, Giancarlo Stanton made his Yankee debut, which I believe he had two home runs, four RBIs. In his debut, in his home debut, he went 0 for 5, platinum sombrero. But the guy is still hitting the crap out of the ball. Let me get the uh, let me get the numbers up here real quick if I can actually spell Stanton, which uh, sometimes it is very difficult for me to for me to and write. Why you do that? Why you do that? We could talk about why uh, Aaron Judge had to play center field. Yeah, go go right on ahead if you already know that. Well, if you guys don't know, the Yankees have hit the injury bug between Ellsbury, Clint Frazier, and Aaron Hicks. Mm-hmm. So Yankees manager Aaron Boone had to get a little creative. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Judge did take some reps in center field during spring training. So the natural thing was, hey, Judge, you're playing center field. Nice. And that game, he only played one game there, and he only made one play in the second inning. Whoop, whoop. Made it, and he never got another ball hit to him. They were afraid. <laughs> they were afraid that if they hit the ball to him, he was somehow going to hit the ball back and hit a home run. All in that same play. <laughs> yeah. 
kidding, kidding, kidding. But Giancarlo Stanton's debut so far this season, per se, 217 batting average, 333 on base percentage, a 696 slugging, three home runs. He's had 27 plate appearances, uh, five runs, and six RBIs, a 44.4% K rate, and a 14.8 walk rate. Oh, it even gets better. So he has had officially five hits this season. He's had officially three of them have been home runs. Three of them have been home runs. Two of them have been doubles. So there you go. And that re- reminds me of Lucas Duda last year. <laughs> doubles machine. 95, 95 hits, 30 home runs. Oh, man. That's so Almost crazy. a third of third of his hits were home runs. You know what's even a crazier stat about this? And I know this is way too early for the season, but out of those five hits, he's had 12 strikeouts. Just a refresher of what happened last year with Giancarlo Stanton. He had 168 hits to 163 strikeouts. So, uh, it, yeah, I know it. It it hurts. It hurts. So he he hasn't hit a single all year, right? No, it's been two doubles, three home runs. All right. <laughs> so, when do you think he will hit his first single? <sighs> I'm gonna say Saturday. I don't even know if the Yankees play Saturday. I'm just gonna say Saturday, just for the matter of fact. It's got to happen sooner or later. My hot take, he won't hit a single until May, second week of May. Oh, man. Definitely have to watch that now. I'm, I definitely Just, have to watch my, uh, watch my uh, one of my fantasy uh, players uh, because he has Giancarlo Stanton on his team. So just, just doubles and home runs and strikeouts. He currently is making, if I just do the numbers real quick in my head, he is currently making four points with doubles, 12 points with home runs, five points for runs, and I believe 12 points for RBIs. He's making points. Don't get me wrong. It's just the ridiculousness of having 12 strikeouts already. And a platinum sombrero. Not a golden, because that's four strikeouts. Five, the platinum sombrero. Beyond that, beyond just hitting home runs and everything else, opening day, the White Sox and Matt Davidson, uh, the, the White Sox tied the opening day home run record in the MLB, and Matt Davidson became, I believe, the third or fourth person to hit three home runs on opening day. So that's a pretty cool feat, even though the sad thing is to you, Phil, that it was against your Royals. So that had to be because the bullpen again has fallen apart for the Royals so far this season, because they were up five to nothing at one point in that game. Yes. Yes, they were actually. And then they got shelled in the fourth. I wa- yep. I watched that game. 
pretty, pretty bad. Pretty, pretty bad. Yeah. So we don't have to talk about it very much. Yeah. The, uh, I, I mean, there's nothing. I mean, besides being the six home run record, it's cool, but I'm. It's you kind of see this, you know, if this is going to happen more often, which I kind of see it going to happen, you know, with these power sluggers, we could see it broken one of these day, you know, one of these upcoming years if, you know, all the chips fall correctly, but who knows? But the chips that, you know, the chips didn't fall correctly for Marlins man and the and the Miami Marlins, I was about to say the Florida Marlins, because it is their 25th anniversary this year for the Marlins organization. But two things dealing with the Marlins. The Marlins and the Cubs, second game of the season, 17 innings. As the game said, it went five hours and 18 minutes. God. 14 pitchers were used, 119 at-bats, and a combined 34 strikeouts and 33 runners left on base. There you go. <laughs> I it's just insane. If you weren't expecting excitement in the uh in Miami, there you go. The first week of everything going on besides the Marlin Marlins man thing that I'll get into the mo- into a moment. Yeah. Fun times in Miami, right? Yeah. But, you know, you kind of look at this. Oh, they beat the Chicago Cubs. Great. It took them, you know, five hours and set. You it, know, it took them almost two games to beat them for one. Yes. I can, uh, I can officially, I could, I could say that with confidence because I've worked, you know, doing pitch clock. I can confidently say that was two games in one. And especially, you know, they go 17 innings. They almost had one more inning to play two full games. But um, still, that was kind of one of the exciting things. Again, going back to the Marlins with Marlins man. (sighs) He won't be a Marlins man anymore, Phil. He needs a new team. As stated from many sources, Marlins man is officially looking for a new team after he offered the organization a three-year season ticket deal worth 200 k So, I mean, it wasn't chump change at all. He was about to pay heavily. And the reason why, I don't know how much these season tickets go, especially right behind the plate. But I guess they go for a higher price. Because they, of course, they refused it. But from my understanding from reading every article is the reason why it's so low, quote-unquote, even though 200 k for us would, uh, you know, we'd be swimming in gold coins like Scrooge McDuck. But, um... The reason why is because they're not going to have the play, you know, they're not going to have the players on the field. They're not going to have that uh, stellar, pl- you know, those stellar players like they did a couple, you know, the past few years. So the Marlins man goes, hey, 200K for a three year uh, season ticket deal. And they refused. 
and now he's looking for a new home. I have not heard anything if he's been picked up by any other club, uh, which I hope he doesn't because he doesn't need to do that. He needs to be Marlon's man for life. But it's kind of sad. You know, we'll still get to see Marlon's man around the country, hopefully, in his Marlon's gear. But it's kind of sad that he won't be actually able, you know, he won't be able to see the Marlins when they do play when they do play at home. Yeah, you know, I'm not overly, overly concerned with him. I was never annoyed by him. Mm-hmm. But I was never really amused with him either. He think, just be, kind of became a thing and it got kind of annoying. I think it became for me, originally Marlins man was annoying as hell. But the past few years, well, especially this offseason, he kind he kind of became the voice of the fans when uh when new ownership happened and of course he had his miraculous speech at uh at the Marlins fan fest thing or season ticket uh thing that Derek Jeter was holding and uh he asked a major question about it and everybody fell in love with him even more just because of that and that's I will say I did fall in love with him because he was standing up for the fans after the ridiculousness of how the Marlins were you know just going left and right with yeah, but selling off players they turned but then they turned into a top 5 farm system that's true that is true but and slash payroll so they're saving money and they turned in top 5 farm system yes the fans aren't getting it right now but if they do it right they will yes so that is that, at first, that, i mean that's at, correct at, at first at first you know i'm not saying i was perfect but I agreed. At first, it seemed crazy. Like, Jeter and the ownership group was just slashing payroll, saving money, you know, yada, yada, yada. But mm-hmm. they've turned it around into where, like I said, top five farm system. They've made smart moves. Mm-hmm. I think holding on to JT Relamuto was a good idea. Mm-hmm. Getting rid of the outfield, good idea. Getting you know, just they made smart moves. Yeah, yeah. And now, when that farm system core players are up, and they're cheap, mm-hmm. the Marlins can turn around and spend all the money they saved on the play on the positions they need filled in. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I do agree with that. I do, I do understand with that, and so. You know, just not only with uh, with the Marlins man going, a new thing, I, well, I shouldn't say a new thing. It just happened today, I should say, that uh, James Paxton of the Seattle Mariners uh, became acquainted with a uh, eagle in today's home opener for the uh, Seattle Mariners as a Equal was an eagle was supposed to fly around and do the whole patriotic thing at the home opener, but instead became friends with James Paxton and tried to land on his shoulder. 
It was a. Uh, and he was pretty nonchalant about it too. Yeah, he was. He he didn't disrespect the bird or anything. He wasn't trying to you know fling him around like try to get off of me. He was very very you know polite about it. He was you know it didn't seem to bother him as much. I know it's kind of weird to have a bird on you and all that stuff, but as a one Twitter uh one person on Twitter said that uh sorry Canada, we take James Paxton from you. He's been bequeathed by an eagle which gains him automatic citizenship into the United States. So <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm ready for him to be in the, you know, be part of the Team USA in the WBC in a couple years. So I'm ready for that. And he's a good pitcher. So, I mean, I don't know how he did today. I see that the Seattle Mariners did lose, but it didn't seem like it hindered him at all. And that's kind of, that's kind of it with everything with what's going on around the league that's been kind of crazy for opening week besides, you know, we could be the, oh, way too early to look at the standings. I mean, oh, my God, Pittsburgh is in the lead in the National League Central with a 5-1 five, five and one record. Oh, my God. But we won't <laughs> do anything of that because, again, it's way too early. We're not like ESPN or CBS Sports where we want to make – Way too early, twenty top 25 rankings for college basketball next year. And it's just like, dude, you have Kansas as number one. Kansas is going to suck. <laughs> you know, even though if you are Kansas fans out there, I pray for you every day that you'll see the light and uh, not become a Kansas fan. But that's just me. So anyway, enough of that. Enough of baseball. Now it's time for the second portion of the ML Beers podcast, the second part of the name, the beers section of the podcast. And Phil, I have to ask you first, what are you drinking tonight? Tonight, I'm drinking a, uh, I, I'll call it a baseball beer. Okay. It's out of Louisville, Kentucky. It's called Against the Grain. Okay. And it is called a beer. Extra American Pale Ale. <laughs> it is called a beer. Says, the description says, come at me, bro. When you're yes. looking for something hoppy, a beer is here. When we, when you want something light and refreshing, grab a beer. Mm-hmm. Like the, When you're hung up on something local, go for a beer. Or if you just need one to the dome, crush a beer. Whatever you need, we got a beer for you. You mad, bro? <laughs> I like the marketing. I, I truly enjoy the marketing with that. The fact that it's called a beer. A beer. Because I'm trying to look for it just by a beer. And, of course, I get Luke Bryan's drink a beer. So... Yeah, they make a really good. They make a uh, IPA with uh, Citra hops, mm-hmm. and it's called Citra Ass Down. I'm liking these names. I truly am enjoying the names. Their can art's really cool. They come in four packs, sixteen ounce cans. Nice, 
Nothing wrong with that. I, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I truly, I truly do. Uh, for me, is that, I mean, is that everything? I should ask. Oh, yeah. I should ask. Yeah. yeah. For me, what I'm having is since I do enjoy the Masters Tournament, I've been eating a lot of pimento cheese sandwiches and uh, enjoying a couple, I shouldn't say cocktails, because really I don't have one tonight, which sucks. But I am drinking an Arnold Palmer, which is half tea, half lemonade, which is definitely go goes well with pimento cheese sandwiches, because pimento cheese is god dang weird. It is weird. I am trying, I am forcefully liking it just because it's a staple at Augusta National for the Masters. And my oh my, it is weird. Sometimes it does taste good. Sometimes it doesn't. But, of course, having a ice-cold Arnold Palmer, the half-tea, half-lemonade, always goes well. And I was hoping that I would have some vodka in it tonight. But, uh, yeah, I guess people don't uh, respect me enough, a.k.a. I f- now I'm feeling like Anthony Rizzo. Darn. I thought I would never feel like Anthony Rizzo and not get enough respect around here. But they drunk, They had all the vodka. They took all the vodka. And I'm sad because vodka goes really well with this, you know, with tea and lemonade. With lemonade and tea? Yeah. yeah. It goes great. It is a fantastic staple. And actually, if you did not know, also, Kettle One was Arnold Palmer's favorite vodka. And I don't know if he would have a vodka on the rocks or he would mix it with his tea and lemonade. But that go I mean, it kind of goes well even more because it's a a drink made by Arnold Palmer. And he likes drinking Kettle One vodka, and just adding vodka to the Arnold Palmer is even better. Do you even know the story of how the Arnold of the Palmer being invented? No. All right. So I'm not gonna. I'm gonna do this very short because it's it can be a long story. Anyways, at the 1963. U.S. Open at Cherry Hills Country Club in Pennsylvania. Um, He was finishing, I believe, the final round of the tournament, and he won the tournament. But it was so hot, he was feeling, you know, he needed a drink of something. And so after he finished the round, after he carded, he went to, I think, inside the clubhouse, and the first thing that he saw was a thing of lemonade and a thing of tea, and he mixed it together, and that's how the Arnold Palmer was born. It's very simple, and I'm pretty sure people have done it before him, but it became oh, a yeah. staple with him. After you know, you once you have somebody as with a superstar status do something, of course you're going to name it after them. So, I mean. And that's how it became that's how it became a thing and then of course people would make you know would have arnold palmers with vodka in it or whatever it's a pretty dang good drink and like i said i wish i had some alcohol in mine 
but I'm very disappointed that I don't for this. Before I ask you a question about your brewery, because there's a lot of things going on with that, you brought up that your beer is very baseball-like. And recently, I saw on the Instagrams that if I can find it, I cannot remember who makes the beer. But it is called Clayton Kershops. It is a beer that is... Let me... If this thing wants to work with me. It is from Arrow Lodge Brewing Company. And it's called Clayton Kerhop. And it is... It, if it wants to tell me what the hell it is. It is a double IPA made with Citra and Amarillo hops. And the cans are really, really cool. The cans... For all you baseball fans, know what the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, flying baseball logo is. It says Dodgers, and then there's a flying baseball with, you know, showing that it's the vapors and all that stuff. The logo has Clayton right in front of the, right on top of the K, and the Kerr hop is in the Dodgers script, and the baseball is a hop. Another cool thing about the logo is that it's just not one color of can. It, they have it in a blue, they have it in a white, and they have it in a gray can. Nothing's different about each of those cans. It's just the way that they made it is really cool. So, so that's why I was just like, oh my god. You, br- you, know, you brought up the you know your beer and I was like, Oh my God! This is this is what it's all about—the Clayton Kerr hop. And I was like, "Oh man, looks so it looks delicious." To be on, honest with you, I don't know if you can get it in, um, in Missouri. I don't know how everything goes with uh, with Arrow Lodge Brewing because it, when I looked at one thing, it didn't tell me the uh, their location. But their location, of course, it's in Corvina, California. So, yeah, that's not going to happen. And from everything else I'm looking at, they do a lot of, um, they kind of do a lot of pop culture references with the, um, with their beers. Like, their the top beers that they have is the Hopdukan, which is the, of course, you played street the street fighter series the hadouken is a ipa imperial double the clayton Kerhop, and the i have to say the fa- my f- new favorite even though i probably will never have it is called the ghost haze killer new england ipa yes so, and I will say that it is very disappointing that uh, that Iron Man is on the front of the uh, can, but, I mean, I'm not the person that's, you know, doing this, but uh, not my favorite because I don't know how 
Iron Man is supposed to yeah, I'm Ghostface Killer Killer with Iron Man. I do not get the uh reference. But that I have to say was pretty, you know, the C- Clayton Kerhop is one of the beers that I want to try and especially the uh the Tony Gwynn's 394 394 Pale Ale from um oh my god from Aleworks Brewing Company yeah. in San Diego, well, someone, California. Someone need they need to make a uh, five and a half hole. Yeah, I was about to say, you know, earlier when you were talking about your uh, talking about your moments in co-ed softball, I was playing in a men's league, and we were supposed to play in the like a casual men's league, but since not enough team like teams were formed for the casual league we were playing in a somewhat professional a serious league and (laughs) there was a game that I was just hitting 5.5s all night 5.5 5.5 and I was like oh man I'm like Tony Gwynn (laughs) but I you know but besides you know besides not making it into the bigs I was just like man getting through the through the gap. I was getting, you know, getting on base. I was happy about it, but you know, that's that's softball for you and I can't wait for softball season to start for work. So whoop whoop. Can't wait. So anyway, enough about what we're drinking and what yeah, what we're drinking. You are about to feed some people some of the beer that has been uh, brewing at the brewery at a event that's coming up this weekend in the Kansas City area, correct? Yeah. Um, well, just the the beer we're serving is still being home brewed because we haven't we won't be brewing at the brewery yet. We mm. get our equipment next week, but um, yeah, we're be serving some beers at the. Uh, North Kansas City 2018 Spring Fling, and it's put on by the guy over at the Colony Brewery here in North KC, mm-hmm. and it's a uh, proceeds go to I mean I can't remember the name of the charity, but it's the Rotary Club that puts it on, so it goes towards like the North KC like high schools like scholarships and stuff like that. Yeah, I was about to say that was. Uh... That was one of the things, if I read that correctly on my uh, on the calendar, even though it does suck that I will not be able to attend. But definitely something that uh, definitely something that will be good for the community, but also great name recognition for your upcoming. You know, I shouldn't say well the part that you are being part of a upcoming brewing company. You know, because yep. it's not necessary. It's not technically yours. You're just a part of it, you know. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be it's going to be my first beer fest working for him at it. So I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it, gonna... even though I won't be there. <laughs> it's going to be a good time. I was about I was about to say, is there any other events that you'll be uh, attending anytime soon? Um, I can't really make any announcements right now. 
that is perfectly fine. Uh, I know that you're. I was about to say you're probably down with a legal binding contract, so you can't really say much. Nope, I can't <laughs> say it until, you know, I could say it, but then I don't want to say it, and then we not go. So mm-hmm. there are events coming up. We got one, in, we got something in the works for May, we got mm-hmm. something in the works for June, mm-hmm. and then later in the year as well, in August and October and September. So, like, we got festivals coming up, but, you know, not going to say anything until they're concrete. Until they're official. Understandable. I'm guessing there'll be a bunch of flights for me. <laughs> yeah, you can pay for them. <laughs> I mean, you already paid for some of my flights anyways. Uh, yeah, that, and that uh, fa- I finally cleaned my truck, yeah. cleaned my truck today. What? you? D- wait, you finally cleaned your truck? Yeah. So you just let it sit there? Uh, yeah. You're a trooper. You're a trooper. I'll tell you that now. Finally a nice day. It was like 60 degrees. And then it's going to be 38 degrees tomorrow. Understandable. It's going to be in the 40s in here. <laughs> I can't believe it took you two weeks, three weeks. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, <laughs> that's that's golden that uh that is uh that is golden and if you don't know what we're talking about go back to the podcast go to last week's episode well two weeks ago so the last episode of the podcast and it will definitely make sense of everything that has happened <laughs> that you know that is that is truly that is truly truly funny, I have to say. Yeah. And Phil, you know, besides me owing you, uh, me owing you a uh, some cleaning agents for the next time that I see you. Do you have any final thoughts for this episode? For anything else that's you know about the season so far? Crazy predictions of you. Saying that Giancarlo Stan won't get his won't get a single until mid May. Anything else? No, you know it's beginning of the season, so things are starting to not shape up at all because it's only two weeks in. So there's nothing to really base any. You know, the numbers aren't there yet. So I will I will have to agree, and I will keep my. Uh... I'll keep my blood pressure medication right beside me. Even though I don't, even though I'm not a uh, prescribed to any, uh, to any blood pressure medication. It's just that, uh, the way that the Cardinals have been playing as of late and how everybody else in the division have been playing, definitely got to keep some, uh, keep some of that around and maybe yeah. get some bare aspirin too. How are you going to handle it? The Cardinals not making the playoffs for the third year in a row. Well, they say records are meant to be broken. So this would be the first time, if it does happen, since the 90s that the Cardinals have not been to to the playoffs for three years in a row. Uh, I will actually still be with them 
after after this. I'm not going to be like uh, me and Manchester United, not because they've been playing like shit, just because they've wasted so much money on these guys and then they're gone a year later. So I will still be with the Cardinals because they're not making ridiculous contract moves. Um, they're not making money moves? They're not making money moves, yeah. They're not making money moves. And that's kind of a good thing in baseball sometimes. Um, I'll still I'll still survive. I I will survive. Uh, hey hey. Yes, exactly. And I I'll think I'll I'll be fine. I know that the Cardinals are going to struggle here and there, and I know it's early, but uh, but from seeing what's been going on, it's it's a little bit it's a little bit shaky. Even though I've j- enjoyed uh. Marcelo Zuna's one and only home run out in Miller Park where it could have dented the wall out there. But besides that, a little bit shaky. There's been moments of greatness. There's been moments of hell. And I know that you've you've dealt with that with the Royals already. Yeah. So, But no, I think that's it. <laughs> All righty, folks. So that is going to do it for this week's episode of the ML Beers podcast. If you're listening to us on our website, we're also on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you did or did not hear before our podcast started, we are part of the Tangent Bound Network, which has a plethora of you know podcasts pertaining to each genre, to pop culture comic books uh, you know any any niche that goes on I know Phil that one of your favorite podcasts the uh, the salty language podcast uh, is on our network and you were recently on one of their pop, one of their shows the enthusiast shows correct yes it was so if you guys want to scroll back on their episodes and take a listen I know Tony and Brett and Brian have been going at it for like seven years. So they're on like episode like 340 something. Yeah, a remarkable feat for any podcast. Yes. So I would I would take a listen to them. And, you know, I was gonna say something, but it's late and I forgot what I was gonna say. It is uh it is perfectly fine that if you don't remember anything you say, because it is it is fairly late out here in where we are. So anyway. We are on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. We are also on Twitch. We have an email at majorleaguebeers.com. Our YouTube and Twitch are usually uh, just our videos of, you know, for our podcast. We just put them in video form. If you use YouTube Red or uh, YouTube whatever for that, you can use that. But, you know, we use other pod you know other podcast websites for that and twitch i am whenever i do have the time to do something i've been busy with a plethora of things not only uh getting ready for the double a season i've been working more at the tv station and i've been trying to get my car legalized so a lot of things have been happening in my world and like i said if you want to contact us or have ways for you to contact us individually. My Twitter
Where is real AWS 13 and Phil is yours? At PhilPhil816. Awesome, awesome. So please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast through our many social media and our uh, and our podcast apps that we are on. So again, that will do it here for us on the MLBers podcast. And you know, it's been a, it's been a crazy opening week. So that's all I can really say, you know. So anyway, our motto, our creed, our saying here, win or lose, there is always booze. <laughs>